Thank you for watching NTD Business. Coming up, is a housing market crash coming? A veteran housing market investor gives us his take. The midterms are only 18 days away. Which industries are giving out the most dollars to influence our election? And as the U.S. budget deficit sees the largest one-year drop ever, why such a big drop? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. Cracks are starting to show in the U.S. housing market. Sales of existing homes fell for the eighth straight month in September. That's the longest losing streak in 15 years. Mortgage rates have skyrocketed this year, putting pressure on home buyers. They were already facing record high home prices with many first-time buyers priced out. And, they even, and even if they could afford it, there isn't much to choose from. There have been rarely so few homes available to buy. This is all data from the National Association of Realtors. The housing market has turned abruptly. During the pandemic, prices rose dramatically. But ever since the Federal Reserve reversed its stimulus policy, mortgage rates have shot up and prices have started to come down. And now joining us to talk about the housing market is Robert Helms. He's the host of the radio show, The Real Estate Guys. Now, Robert, it seems to me the housing market is cooling a bit. Now, I understand you're an investor yourself in the market. Is that what you're seeing on the ground? How much have prices come down? Yeah, great question, Don. There's a couple of things. Uh, We are absolutely seeing a slowdown in many markets across the United States. And it's really two things. It's inflation, and that translates to interest rates. So interest rates have gone up a ton, more than we've seen in years in the shorter period of time. So that means that houses are less affordable. It doesn't mean that people aren't buying houses. That family that is being relocated and was thinking they could afford an $800,000 house maybe has to look for a $500,000 house, but they're still moving because they're following a job or school. So there are sales, but two things happen. One is the number of transactions slow down, and we're absolutely seeing that, and then prices change. So in some markets, we have seen a drastic reduction in prices, but I would say the majority of markets still, the rate at increase has slowed down. So we are still seeing a slight uptick in home prices in many of the more popular areas, but absolutely the volume of transactions is coming down. Right, right, okay. How would you rate the, the current health of, of the housing market right now? Yeah, so I think we're, uh, we're probably a B minus, and I, I give it that high of a rating in spite of everything because the thing you mentioned, which is even though we're seeing pricing come down are starting to slow for sure and we're seeing the number of sales come down we still are tight on inventory it's not a glut of houses there aren't thousands of houses and we don't also have what we had last time we saw a decrease in the housing market which was that shadow inventory created by imprudent lending there were a lot of lenders who held on to properties and that inventory took a long way to work its way through the pipeline we don't really see that inventory now. So I think the housing market is okay. I think that long term, Mark Twain said, don't buy or don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. Over the long term, it's hard to find a 10 year period in the last 60 years that if you bought at one time and sold 11 years later, you didn't make money. There, there's a number of people who don't see a very good outlook for the for the housing market. Now, I want to get your opinion. You've been investing in the housing market for 30 years, as you mentioned. Do you see a crash coming in the housing market? 
Yeah, well, I I've definitely paid attention to this, and my uh, my friend Peter Schiff's always in my ear about when the next crash is going to come. But I think that we're not going to see the same thing we saw last time around because of the glut of inventory. And the bigger picture, which is, as a nation, we're underbuilt. We're underbuilt in apartments. We're underbuilt in single-family homes. And so there is always a demand, because I don't see a technology coming down the road that's going to erase the need for human beings to sleep under a roof. So housing is important. It's one of the primary things we will devote our time and energy and money towards. So I don't think it's a crash, but I think it's an adjustment. And you cannot expect prices to always go up in real estate. However, inflation and persistent demand does mean the long-term trend is obvious. Just like the dollar is strong right now, well, compared to what? Not at the gas pump, not in the grocery store, compared to other currencies. But if I look at a chart for the last 100 years of the dollar, it's very clear the direction. It's the same thing in housing. On the, in the long term, housing is here to stay. And in the long term, I think it makes a great investment. In the next 18 months, it's going to get dicey. All right. Thank you very much, Robert. Pleasure having you on today. Thanks so much, Don. And you might want to buy your Thanksgiving turkey early this year because there could be possible shortages due to the avian flu. NTD Shar Marshall reports. Could there be a turkey shortage this Thanksgiving? Maybe. Experts are divided on the matter. The U.S. Department of Agriculture reports 5.4 million turkeys have been depopulated by bird flu, as if inflation wasn't already enough for food shoppers. Officials order entire flocks to be killed when the bird flu is found on farms. More than 6 million chickens and turkeys were slaughtered last month to limit the spread of the disease. But the National Turkey Federation has a different opinion. We reached out to their spokesperson, Beth Breeding, for an interview, although she did email us a statement. Spokesperson Beth Breeding said, We do not expect any shortage of turkey products this year. If you're going to the grocery store and you're looking for your traditional frozen turkey, you're going to be able to find it. What I found interesting was that in July of last year, 2021, Shady Brook Farms announced a turkey shortage, a major turkey producer in the U.S. The company said it would be in short supply of small fresh turkeys by November. This caused a turkey shortage to trend on Google. It might just be great marketing, but you can't be too careful when it comes to Thanksgiving meals. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And some good news for you. If you want to put away more for your retirement, next year you can. The IRS is going to let you invest nearly 10% more in 2023, adding up to more than $22,000. You won't be surprised to hear the reason, though. The jump is because of inflation. And everyone knows about Payday Friday, but what about Payday Wednesday? Some customers of J.P. Morgan can get their money a little earlier. The largest bank in America is offering its secure banking customers early access to some direct deposits, like paychecks and pensions. The money could arrive up to 40 hours sooner than before. Officials at J.P. Morgan say this move could help some households with paying bills on time and dealing with unexpected expenses. Other financial institutions like Mobile Bank, Current, Capital One, and Wells Fargo are already offering early access to customers. And on to Wall Street. Stocks ended higher, much higher, to close out the trading week. The Dow rose 749 points, or 2.5%. S&P 500 gained 87 points, or 2 and 4 tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq added 245 points, or 2 and 3 tenths of a percent. 
The U.S. budget deficit for fiscal year 2022 dropped by half compared to the year before as pandemic spending winds down. This decline is the biggest one-year drop ever, but the deficit itself is still far higher than before the pandemic. Here's President Biden touting the drop earlier today. This year, the deficit fell by $1.4 trillion, the largest one-year drop in American history, $1.4 trillion decline in the deficit. Let me repeat that, the largest ever decline in the federal deficit. Let me be clear. This record deficit reduction includes the cost of my student loan plan and everything else we're paying for. So why such a big drop? It's because last year's deficit was so high to begin with. Think stimulus checks. The U.S. deficit was even higher in 2020, hitting a record of over $3 trillion. Although the 2022 shortfall did drop a lot, it was still higher than 2019 before the pandemic. The midterm elections are just 18 days away, and the stakes are high. If enough Republicans win, they'll be able to stop President Biden from advancing his agenda for the rest of his term. The future of America, as well as Biden's legacy, are on the line. But money is also playing an outsized role this election. Ad spending for this midterm season is expected to double from the last time. The candidates are broadcasting on cable, satellite, streaming services, radio, and online all over the nation. Campaign finance expert Dan McMillan says that money alone doesn't guarantee victory, but it is a vital part of the process. And the more money you have, the better. If you don't raise money up to a certain bar, and by this point in a house race, that's got to be at least a quarter of a million before, before the main election year, the public will never know your name because the media won't take you seriously. But you don't raise that money by talking about ideas that might not be attractive to donors. And so automatically, who we get to vote for and the range of ideas that those candidates can propose to us is dramatically narrowed by the need to raise the money. McMillan says that big donors basically decide who we are allowed to vote for. He says it's not just some conspiracy where they gather in an auditorium to scheme together. There are big donors who independently choose who they want in office. And this leads to one of the biggest problems in America. Politicians, are, are their hands are tied by all the favors they owe all their donors, and even more so, by self-censorship, all the things they can't say, which might offend some potential future donors. And consequently, they no longer have much in the way of a positive program to offer us. And what they've defaulted to is demonizing the other side. That's how they keep their base in line. For example, America's healthcare industry is often accused of being dysfunctional. Prices are extremely high. Many can't afford insurance and many become bankrupt in trying to pay for it. McMillan believes most politicians wouldn't dare speak out about this because they want donations from the healthcare sector. Let's talk about some data. For this midterm season, the healthcare sector is the third biggest donor, according to independent research group Open Secrets. Its donations are split pretty evenly between Republicans and Democrats. The second biggest donor is labor, overwhelmingly to Democrats. And the biggest donor is the finance, insurance, and real estate sector. It's also split pretty evenly between both parties. 
Democrats also have support from a majority of lawyers and lobbyists, and Republicans have a majority of support from agriculture and energy. And according to Open Secrets, the amount of money donated in total is more or less equal between the two parties, only slightly more for Democrats. Nevada is seeing the most spending by far. The Nevada race could determine who wins the U.S. Senate, and it's one of the states Republicans are most likely to flip. Right now, most polls show Republicans slightly in the lead. Data firm 538 says the race is a dead heat. It says that Republican challenger Adam Laxalt has a slight lead over Democratic incumbent Catherine Cortez Masto, which is 53 to 47%. And this is all despite the fact that she's raised far more, nearly three times more than Laxalt. The retirement industry and the legal industry gave her the most. And for Laxalt, we don't know who's donating to him, but based on his previous campaigns, his biggest donors are general business, finance, insurance, and real estate. So who's going to win Nevada and which side is going to win the Senate? Tune in to NTD on November 8th to find out. And Steve Bannon, a former Trump advisor, has been sentenced to four months in prison. Here's what he said just before the sentencing. Remember, this illegitimate regime, their, their judgment day is on 8 November when the Biden administration ends. I want to thank you all for coming. Thanks. By the way, and remember, take down the CCP. Thank you. Bannon was also fined $6,500, but he doesn't have to go to prison or pay just yet. His attorney plans to appeal the conviction, and the judge allowed the sentence to be delayed until after the appeal. Bannon was convicted in July of two counts of contempt of Congress for not appearing to testify and for not handing over documents related to a subpoena from the January 6th House Committee. His attorney says the the appeal of the conviction is, quote, bulletproof because Bannon was prohibited from explaining why he didn't comply with the subpoena. And fashion company Balenciaga is cutting ties with Kanye West, now known as Ye. They worked together on West's Easy line with Gap. Balenciaga is the first company to drop the rapper after he made controversial remarks in the past few weeks. Some of those remarks were allegedly anti-Semitic. They got West kicked off of Twitter and Instagram. This week, he told Piers Morgan on Censor that he was sorry for the people he hurt and for the families of people who had nothing to do with his trauma. According to Balenciaga's parent company, they don't have any future projects planned with the artist. And now turning to the UK, who will replace Liz Truss as Britain's prime minister? Truss announced her resignation after just 44 days in office, the shortest term in British history, leading to yet another leadership race. Here's more. Rishi Sunak, who was runner-up against Truss over the summer, is a firm favourite. The former finance minister sounded an early warning about Truss's economic agenda. Rising inflation is the enemy that makes everyone poorer and puts at risk your homes and your savings. He first gained popularity, steering Britain through the COVID pandemic, dropping conservative instincts for a small state and borrowing massively to support workers and businesses. He was a preferred candidate amongst conservative MPs in the summer leadership race, but lost out in the membership vote. Many of them saw him as responsible for Boris Johnson's downfall. 
which brings us to the next potential candidate. And it's perfectly true. It's perfectly true that I leave not at a time of my choosing. Johnson was kicked out of office in July following a string of scandals and still faces an investigation for allegedly lying in Parliament about parties held during lockdown. However, the face of Brexit was once seen by many as a vote winner. In the 2019 general election, he won votes in parts of the country that had never backed the Conservatives before. Johnson was on a holiday in the Caribbean when Truss announced she was quitting, but British media reports on Thursday suggested he was flying back. Seemingly loved and loathed in equal measure, some Conservative MPs may quit if he wins. Hasta la vista, baby. Thank you. The third candidate likely to enter the race is Penny Mordaunt. A former Defence Secretary, she only just missed reaching the final two in the summer leadership race. Mordaunt, like Johnson and Sunak, was a passionate supporter of leaving the European Union and is seen by some as having broad appeal in the party. The PM is detained on urgent business. She won plaudits for her performance in Parliament on Monday when she defended the government even as it reversed most of its policies. The Prime Minister is not uh, under a desk, as the <laughs> Jeremy Hunt, the current finance minister, has ruled himself out. To enter the contest, the candidate needs the votes of 100 MPs by Monday. Any more U-turns? Thank you, sir. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come... Motorola unveiling an unusual idea for a phone. It can change size with the press of a button. And a major pasta company facing a lawsuit over authenticity. What's the complaint? That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Consumer electronics company Motorola has unveiled a new rollable smartphone. Its parent company Lenovo showcased a new device at Lenovo Tech World 2022. The rollable smartphone features a 5-inch screen that can expand to 6.5 inches. It's smaller than the iPhone 13 mini when rolled up, but when the phone is rolled out, it's nearly the same size as the iPhone 14 Pro Max. The device is still in the concept stage, though. Motorola hasn't said if or when it will be available for purchase. And a federal judge ruled Barilla can't avoid a class action lawsuit over allegedly deceptive advertising about its past as origins. At issue here is the brand's slogan that says, Italy's number one brand of pasta. The lawsuit claims the slogan can lead customers to believe it's actually made in Italy. The two customers who filed the lawsuit said they bought multiple boxes of Barilla pasta thinking they were made in Italy. But the pasta is made in Iowa and New York using the same type of machines used at its plant in Parma, Italy, where the company was founded in 1877. The judge ruled the pair suffered economic injury and presented enough evidence that they wouldn't have bought Barilla if they knew it wasn't made in Italy. And a lab in California has created a robot that makes french fries. The machine could take over a large part of the cooking process in fast food restaurants. Entity's Andrew Thomas has the details. 
Miso Robotics in Pasadena has started rolling out its Flippy 2 robot. A huge robotic arm takes frozen french fries, cooks them in oil, and then deposits them for serving. The machine can also cook several meals with different recipes simultaneously. When an order comes in through the restaurant system, it automatically uh, spits out the instructions to Flippy. It takes a frozen product, fries it for the precise amount of time, and puts the finished product in the end. It does it faster, more accurately, more reliably, um, and happier than most humans do it. Flippy was in development for five years. It took painstaking effort to engineer, code, and learn the dynamics of the kitchen. So this technology utilizes a whole bunch of computer vision. There's cameras throughout the system, including right here we have these food identification cameras. The cameras not only guide the robot and tell it exactly where it is in space and how to move through this, this area, but also identifies the food type and it knows the recipe for each one. Miso Robotics wants to reimagine both food and drink. While still in development, Sippy is the company's attempt to create a robot that makes drinks. This is Sippy, this is actually the inner workings of Sippy. Sippy will be able to take a, an order from a customer and put out a perfectly poured drink with a lid on it and a straw and all grouped together. Bell points out that Flippy 2 is an addition to the kitchen, not a human replacement, and says Miso Robotics wants to bring the restaurant industry up to speed. Flippy 2 is currently working at several Jack in the Box, White Castle, and Cali Burger locations. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. The classic police video hits a milestone. Caitlin Deaver on Ticket to Paradise and a look at The Chosen Season 3. Here's a look at today's music and movie news. A milestone for every breath you take. The police music video has surpassed 1 billion views on YouTube. Just the seventh video of a song from the 1980s to hit that mark. The song was Billboard's top single of 1983. The video hit YouTube in 2010. Did you make a pact to not murder each other until you murder me first? We are here for you, my love. Yes, we're in lockstep. Yes. Caitlin Deaver says she couldn't believe she'd get to play Julia Roberts and George Clooney's daughter in the romantic comedy Ticket to Paradise. It's just kind of overwhelming, um, especially because I haven't ever done a rom-com before. Um, or I, I guess I've done comedy with like sprinkle romance in them, but never like a full classic rom-com type of feel movies. Are there stirring in your hearts? In the middle of such division and unrest, is Father God being revealed to you? The Chosen is going big screen. Season three of the crowdfunded series about the life of Jesus will open November 18th with the first two episodes playing in theaters across the U.S. before the entire season is offered via streaming. Ticket information at thechosen.tv slash three. I am the law of Moses. And that's all from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter too. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next week.